It's the Horrorphoria Podcast. Don't touch that dial. Andy Gilly and John Richards are your hosts of this weekly podcast to rate and review horror movies. Is it good? Is it bad? <laughs> Is it a classic? Find out now. <laughs> Welcome to the Horror For You podcast. It is Friday, January 15th of 2021. This is episode number 93, reviewing Antrim, the deadliest film ever made. Broadcasting from our We're Still Here and Alive. And yes, that guy did it to a dead deer. Studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. John Richards. I'm Andy Gill. You know, you just did a memorial episode for the dead straight chilling guys, and now we watch the most deadly film ever. I know. I, I, mean, I was a little worried how maybe, it started out. Maybe should have thought out the, thought this out better. Man. I should have. I'm sorry. We, we planned way far ahead. I didn't think I was going to go to hell. <laughs> are those guys back from hell yet? The straight chilling they guys? Are. They, they are. Actually, okay. They are. They got a brand new look. It looks fantastic. Oh, like, new yeah, I saw that. Really, I, I saw that. Really yeah. good. It, it does. It looks pretty cool. Uh, busy weekend this weekend for you? Uh, you know, every time you ask me this on the podcast, no, I, I'm not doing it. I'm cleaning and <laughs> I'm doing some other uh, very uh, mundane things. I wouldn't call it mundane, though. I mean, it's important things to get done, right? Yeah, it is important things to get done because <laughs> I don't want to live in filth. So, a uh, little different program. We, we were expecting to talk to uh, director Adam Krause this week. Unfortunately, he had to go in for surgery, so we're keeping our thoughts with him. Hoping to catch up back with him next week. If not, we've got some uh, other things cooking. But um, yeah, I. <laughs> And it's been kind of a crazy start to 2021, but let's get right back into it. Horror movie news. Yeah, let's do the horror movie news. The new Scream movie will be released about a year from now, according to the official social media accounts of the film. The Scream Twitter, which is at Scream Movies, said, in one year, I'll know where to find you with a picture of uh, Ghostface on it. The uh, reboot or sequel, I think it, I think it's a sequel, right? Sequel, number uh, five, yeah. Stars Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Nev Campbell, along with other Scream veterans. Uh, this one's just called Scream now, not Scream 5. They were Interesting. Gonna, they were going to call it Scream 5, I believe, before that was a working title. Now it's just Scream 5. I did see um, that teaser. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it was pretty cool. The film uh, finished in November. Kevin Williamson, screenwriter, announced that on Twitter and said it would be released in January 2022, but didn't give the exact date. Oh, so, bummer. Um, but we have the exact date. Why didn't I write it down? I think it's like January 16th, 2022. That was the whole point of this. Oh, that's right. It's exactly a year <laughs> from when it was released. Was it yesterday or Wednesday? Yeah, it uh, it was yesterday, I believe. So I think it must be January 14th, 2022. Sorry. Well, there you I, go. I didn't write my horror movie news very well here. No, he just doesn't do math, folks. I, yeah, I just uh, that was the whole <laughs> point of the thing is that we have an exact date for Scream and I, I missed it. So I think it's the 14th. I Horror had an article about the new Wrong Turn movie. A film clip was released this week. Uh, it was an IGN exclusive. It showed a giant log rolling towards some hikers. They make the mistake that only humans do of looking back at the thing chasing them. Uh, they trip all over. One is off the screen, killed by the uh, one is killed off screen by the rolling log. A movie which was called Wrong Turn: Colon The Foundation at one time and is now just called Wrong Turn is scheduled to release. Um, I guess one night only. Uh, on 
in theaters and it said non-restrictive video on demand, whatever that means. I don't know. You uh, know, I, I got to be honest with you, Andy. I'm not, I got the date on that one. It's January 26th. That will be January 26th. I'm not excited about this movie. I wasn't a fan of the original Wrong Turns. It just, like, it was like, it was like Hills Have Eyes in the Woods. That's it, it all was. it was. It, it was, um, at the time it came out, I thought it had a good Hills Have Eyes vibe and I don't think Hills Had Have Eyes was uh, rebooted at the time. I, you might be right. And so I really kind of liked it. I liked the first one when it first came out. Um, and I thought that it was like an apt depiction of uh, what you might find if you went uh, out into some of the um, the hinterlands you drive through on your way home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's true. Uh, so that's why it scared me, because I figured if I went the, I took a wrong turn here on some of our roads in Wisconsin, I might meet similar people. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, you guys listening to this like horror podcast, you'll be able to get some great horror content content on Serial Box. That's spelled S-E-R-I-A-L very soon. Uh, John Carpenter, his partner Sandy King Carpenter, have signed a partnership with Serial Box to co-produce an exclusive line of horror stories in audio format under the John Car- uh, Carpenter Presents banner. Better known for such cult classics as Halloween, Dark Star, Christine, and The Thing, of course, John Carpenter will add audio to his repertoire with uh, this podcast series. Uh, they're projected to develop at least five series per year for a minimum of two years. Carpenter's doing a podcast? Yeah. And it's, We're it's screwed, be, man. Well, no, it's it's like a, it's actually like stories, so it's oh, not okay. just him blathering to each other like, like well, we do. I, well, Nick, Mick Garris does the same thing with Postmortem, yeah. but he brings in like like producers and actors and directors and it's just a conversation of you know hey we did this it's not it, it's kind of a storytellers as well yeah so um, this is gonna I believe this is like a one of the old radio shows where it's gonna be like a scary story that he and I'm sure it'll have actors and stuff like that and I'm still listening to it <laughs> yeah it, it's, it sounds pretty cool and it'll be I think it'll be a neat thing to, to listen to uh, Joe Blow reports that Jeremy Davies of Lost and Sleepy Hollow fame will be starring in a Blumhouse movie called The Black Phone. The movie is based on a novella by Joe Hill. In it, a young boy finds himself locked in a basement, stained with the blood of murdered children, and there is also an antique phone that rings at night with calls from the dead. Ooh. Uh, that's scary. I, I actually, I like that premise. Sounds kind of scary. Joe Hill, of course, Stephen King's son. He probably oh, yeah. has an idea how to write. And finally, I have to say, this Unearth Films Blu-ray DVD re-release Serbian film coming out January 19th. <laughs> uh, there is a Milos action film. Well, there was a Milos action figure. It was limited to 200, and they seem to be sold out on Unearth's website. Um, there's also a new unearthfilms.com website, which I didn't click on because of my work. Oh. Just kidding. I clicked on it. That's why I know there's no um, Milos action figures left. Um, <laughs> and you got so. this pre-ordered, right? Uh, yeah, I, I I will be receiving this. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had known about the Milos action figure. I'd have one of those two now, by now. I thought you didn't collect toys. I don't, but that would be pretty cool. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. Horror movie trivia. Uh, actress Nicole Tompkins played uh, Orly. She also appeared in another horror movie in 2016. Not very well known, but it's based off of a 1970s horror movie. Mm-hmm. Kind of a spinoff or, or a sequel to it. Do you know what it is? You know what? I, you know, I really liked her... Uh in this movie, but no, I don't know. The Amityville Terror. Oh, really? Out, okay. Yeah, it came out yeah. in 2016. Right. I'd heard of it, but it's something I never watched. Okay. So we're talking about Antrim today, the most deadly movie. Uh, so this has actually happened. Now, movies have killed people, right? Yeah. Uh, do you know some movies that have uh, killed people uh, when they were watching them? 
it was kind of at the beginning oh gosh what was it uh it was a tv movie i the one i in talking about john carpenter it was called cigarette burns uh so that one uh is about the same thing as this okay but i don't think it's ever killed anyone um i know the exorcist did uh, that that may have actually killed some people. Yeah, yeah, heart uh-huh. attacks because they were yeah, so frightened. Yeah. I, I think that is one of them. That but that's not them. the answer. What is it? Uh, so Avatar is one of them. What? <laughs> some guy got too excited about the three D action and had a stroke. <laughs> Twilight. Yeah, I wanted to die watching that too. But so someone in New Zealand died watching that. He also had an empty bottle of whiskey next to him, so it was probably <laughs> that and Kristen Stewart's acting that killed him. Uh, a fish <laughs> called Wanda, which oh uh, I guess was pretty funny. Uh, comedy doesn't really transcend generations very well. I, I never thought that was all that funny, but uh, someone actually died laughing from that at that one. <laughs> uh, Passion of the Christ killed like two people. That's a pretty brutal one, of course. If you're yeah. not a horror fan, yeah. whole religious aspect, of course, might elicit enough response to kill some people, right? Uh, and someone also had a heart attack watching Jaws. That's understandable. <laughs> I can cause some anxiety for sure. So, some movies have killed people. Jaws. I doubt that Antrim was one of them, but um, we'll talk about that today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Andy's Chainsaw Plot. Two kids dig a hole to hell. We are treated to weird imagery. Then we die. Not necessarily, but yeah, I, I suppose. <laughs> All right, this is Fine your... watch the movie. Yeah, I, so I was expecting to die, but... Uh, this yeah, is spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Antrim, the deadliest movie or deadliest film ever made, actually made in 2018. Did not get a wide release until 2020. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it. You'll survive, trust me. I'll come back to find out what we had to say about it and the initial thoughts of Antrim. You should probably say you'll probably survive, watch at your own risk, just for legal purposes. All right. You'll probably survive, <laughs> watch, watch at your, at own, your own risk. risk. Yeah, there you go. Don't blame us. Right. Uh, so Antrim had a cool trailer, which is why I think we watched it. <laughs> I remember yeah, I wait. saw the trailer and I actually came up and talked to you about it. You That's did. And, and I actually kind of recall that a little bit. Yeah. But it was like, you know, I saw it and then got really interested be just because of the premise of the movie. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Uh, there, I always interrupt your you know, end and beginning here, so you, you can interrupt mine. There's a lot of demonic symbolism and stuff. I, I find it kind of scary and cool, mostly because I lived through the satanic panic in the 80s, and I was told that this stuff was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, the makers of this film would have been lynched back then, I'm sure. Sure. Um, the gimmick about it being a deadly movie is really cor- contrived. Uh, I liked how uh, one of the people they said had been killed watching this movie was a critic preparing a rejection of the movie. Yeah. Uh, then another guy died from a fish bite. Yeah, he was um, in La Jolla, and he got he got stung by a stonefish. Yeah, I wasn't at all that uh, scared by the documentary part of this. Um, I mean, this would only work if there was some truth to it. Like, if this stuff wasn't just out in the open, out in the open fiction, you know, uh, maybe this would have been more interesting. Uh, it's pretty hard to do with the internet. You, I mean, you could get away with lying about that being a true story, but like back in 1974, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you can't really do that anymore. You can't even really Blair Witch this stuff anymore, where you, people are just too savvy, you know. Uh, the whole killer movie, it's done a lot better, I think, with The Ring. 
uh, which was actually mentioned in here. Mm. Uh, that Cigarette Burns movie, uh, I, I guess, does this better. That that was uh, kind of like that Pilgrim movie we watched. I guess that was the Masters of Horror. So it was more of like a TV type thing. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it I was guess, the, I the uh, Into the Dark series on Hulu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a, that's a, the same series as Pilgrim, right? No. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. Uh, so um, maybe if they, I think maybe if they spend more time on the Antrim part, uh, making that mo- the movie cohesive, use the part that they wasted on the documentary, a better story might have evolved. Uh, that being said, there's definitely some super creep parts of this movie. There's some genuinely scary parts. There are some genuinely uncomfortable parts, and some of it does seem like you dug this 35 millimeter print out of some rich guy's vault, and now you're bearing witness to his depravity. Right. You know? Uh, some of the effects are okay. I could have done without the whole Fight Club subliminal thing blinking up there. Uh, first off, uh, you know, on streaming, it's like impossible to pause that at the right times, and you can't scrub streaming. Yeah, that's so, true. So I really, I wanted to watch that, and I, I probably wasted five minutes trying to see any one of those clips, you know. Um, well, they kind of showed you at the end of the movie. No, and, and I, I got what was going on, I guess, but I wanted to really pause it and kind of like take a deep dive on what was going on. I couldn't do that on streaming. Um, it's supposed to be some kind of Adam and Eve allegory or something, right? Is that something what's like going that, on there? Yeah. It's like an apple at the end. He uses binaural beats. I've tried binaural beats before. They don't do a lot for me. Um, maybe a lot of horror movies do, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, maybe you'll have a better experience of binaural beats affect you. I, I, I had a little bit of a headache after this. I'd attribute that to fighting with one of my relatives on Facebook, though, not uh, not binaural oh, beats. <laughs> um, so I really think this movie actually would resonate if you weren't a jaded horror veteran like we are, uh, I would assume most people listening to this podcast aren't really going to be scared by some demonic inter- inter- uh, imagery and like the wrong turn guys that show up in this. Uh, and if I wasn't married to Sarah, whose favorite movies are Serbian film and I spit on your grave, I might want to watch this to like to shock my partner. Sure. Like if, you, if you had a girlfriend or a wife who, you know, liked scary movies but really got scared by them, I, th- I think this would do it. I mean, um, like one time I put a Ouija board around. Everybody thought I was just like this dumb jock and didn't know I had a good imagination. Played D and D, read Paradise Lost, so I freaked the hell out of a bunch of kids. You know, <laughs> I was like, I have no idea who Moloch is. Look it up in the encyclopedia in the library. It's a demon who kills children. Who knew? Wow! Yikes! You know. Uh, so the kids at the party I was at when I was in 1993, this would have freaked them out, I think, and uh, they might have felt like weird or disturbed afterwards. Uh, might have needed to go to communion a few extra times or something. I don't know. For people like us. Uh, I think this has not a ton to offer, but it isn't totally worthless like I see some people calling it either. Yeah, it seems very um, polarizing as far as the way people feel about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do agree with you that the, the... the documentary style at the beginning and the end of the movie a little contrived but this Andy this is one of the few movies that it didn't take me out of the movie it kind of made me more intrigued by it okay that that I know this is fiction I'm not gonna die watching this movie mm-hmm I kind of love the way they kind of leaned into it when they got into the movie because you had uh, like a 45 second warning. Yeah, right. You know, the producers of this movie, blah, 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 blah. It kept it up there like an FBI warning if you're uh, for piracy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it stayed up there. And then you had a countdown. And then you had the 35 millimeter eight, seven, six. I, I, I stayed intrigued by this movie. I mean, there were parts that were dull. And God, 
damn it if a dog didn't die in here again. Oh God, I know, I know, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Man. I was like, oh, man, John, why? Why, yeah, why are we doing this to yeah, yourself? Exactly, exactly. And the whole fact, I, I, but it, it kept me intrigued through the whole movie. I'm not saying this is brilliant or this is groundbreaking, but it kept me intrigued. I, I, I liked the setup of it. You're right. You're absolutely right. It is contrived. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, there is a movie out there that is going to kill you. No, it's not. They can put like the squeals and the eerie sounds and it's just, it's kind of grating on your brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think that uncomfortableness was was kind of cool to it too because it kept me in the movie. I loved the film grain of this. So we talked about a little bit, uh, what today, that the grain kind of went away as the movie went in so they cleaned it up a little bit. But they, they kept a little bit of it. They kept that, that, that hue that they had throughout the movie, which was consistent and I love that. Mm-hmm. About the movie, that it felt like a movie that was filmed back in 1979. I thought they really did a pretty good job with that, making it feel like a 1970s film. I'm sure they like used the cameras or something like that from the 70s, or, or did something. You know, the colors and yeah. and things like that. Uh, the grain on the film, it, it did evoke that kind of of movie, like a you know a movie that that you're you find in, in a, a low-budget like low studio that just right. went out there and filmed in the woods, you know? And this was in Southern California. So, I mean, to exactly. me, the aesthetic was so gorgeous. I was it really like, was. I'm yeah. just like, that's where you go when you go into the mountains because you think of Southern California as just being a beach. But no, I mean, if you head a little farther east, you're in mountains, you're, you've got rocks, you, you've got trees, you've got forest. Well, not a forest, but I mean, you, you just, you're surrounded by nature. You're, you're away from the big city city. Mm-hmm. It's not like you would picture of what Los Angeles would be. It is kind of backwoods. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the aesthetic of it. Um, the fact so that this wasn't it, Bulgaria. Is that what you're saying? Huh? This wasn't a Bulgaria. It was said to be a Bulgarian. <laughs> I'll tell film. you right now, yeah. it wasn't because when they were driving down the street after the dog died, you saw palm trees. There's not Bulgaria. That's that's true. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the Cyrillic alphabet uh, in the uh, in the credits. I didn't get that uh, so, at all. Because it's supposed to be a Bulgarian film. Okay. So that, I don't know, that did make it seem a little weird and like, like it was, what the heck am I about to watch? You know? Yeah. (laughs) But then the actors were all speaking, for the most part, were speaking English. I mean, the wrong turn guys weren't, but. They were speaking, what, Bulgarian or Russian or maybe? I don't really know. It could have been Bulgarian. Um, It could have been Russian. I don't know. It's definitely some Eastern European language. You saw a Japanese guy in there too. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. He he was going to commit. Harry, Harry Krishna, Harry Carey, Harry Carey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was about, yeah. It was, and then he was speaking, yelling at the kid in Japanese, and then he said, "I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I there was like they come upon that forest, and there's like that sign there. So I didn't, I didn't know if it was supposed to be like a suicide forest or what. But uh, oh, like they have in Japan. Yeah, like yeah. the one that Jake Paul took a selfie oh, in. You God, know, <laughs> freaking <laughs> guy, that freaking. Guy. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I mean, the, the I, I liked the, um, I, I liked when you know, that that was like where the devil had supposedly fallen to earth or whatever they were saying. Yeah, that was the story when they first went out there. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that they. Um, well, it basically, it's Orly is the sister, the older sister mm-hmm. of Nathan, 
And I don't know what happened to their mom. That, yeah, I don't. That was pretty. That was, that was pretty ambiguous of what happened. I to wasn't her. clear on that either. So I and I kind of like you know th- it starts out with that euthanasia. The dog is super sad. Uh, and oh, I saw w- the scene in the car, but I don't really know what they were doing because I was cr- doesn't wasn't done crying yet. So <laughs> Wait, the, did you cry at that part? <laughs> I may have shed a tear. It was it was sad, man. I, I don't. Sad. I always see a I, dog I, put hey, down. That's no, super sad. Have no shame in that because yeah. I know you love dogs. So. <laughs> so the mom said the dog went to hell or something, and I didn't. I like I didn't get quite the premise of the movie, but they went to hell to go rescue this dog who had gone to hell or what? Yeah, or, I, tell Orly, me what happened. Here. Orly created this this book, this book of hell. I suppose. okay, and we don't find that out until later because I, I had some thoughts right, on that too. But okay, there's this book that that says, well, if you go to this, you dig where the devil, where the devil fell to earth, you mm-hmm. can get. Uh, you can bring back a loved one or something like that, but it's not going to be your dog. Oh, the dog's name was Maxine. What an adorable name for It was Maxine. So yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I did like, oh, so, so they go to this place where the devil came to earth or whatever, and there was this like superimposed face over the, over the, you know, the, the shot. Oh yeah. In the like background that. on the, yeah. in the sky. I thought that looked fantastic. So, yeah. I thought, it, I thought it looked great. I, I thought it was really creepy and like, you know, disturbing. And the face appeared into the bushes like the brush that were mm-hmm. that covered up the hole mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff like that in this movie yeah. and some of it is more effective than others I thought that was a pretty good use of that yeah um, I, and I, I would also say that you know despite a dog being euthanized in the beginning of this movie it did really evoke a mood it, I mean it was about like 25% as good at evoking despair and sadness as the beginning of hereditary but it did it did I mean it, it, it was a somber and sad mood at the beginning of this uh, I mean couldn't they have done the kid's grandma or something? Why the Jesus, this dog? <laughs> yeah, it, it was like, it, it was, yeah, it was disturbing because like going back to euthanizing the dog is they're driving in a car, apparently going home because there's the, there's Orly, there's Nathan and the mom's in the front seat and just driving, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Nathan asks his mom is like, well, is she in heaven? Mom, mm-hmm. is she in heaven? No, she's not there because she was a bad girl. Mm-hmm. And then a mom disappears. Yeah, I know. And then you don't see any. It's like a Tesla that's driving itself or something. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think here. it was a station wagon. But yeah, you know. it was a station. It was like a LTD. Did you notice when the kid the when the kid had his nightmares? Did you see the position he was in when he was laying down? I did not. I he was like that. this. Oh, really? So yeah, it's, just it was exactly like the Baphomet. Like the, so there's there's a bunch of Baphomet reference, like the um, the uh, demon that's kind of uh, portrayed. Uh, there's like that. I, I guess you know what the brazen bull is. Yeah. Uh, well, there's this brazen Baphomet is what it looks like to me. Cooking uh, people in there. Yeah, you cook people in it. You know, there's like uh, so there was this brazen. I call it the brazen Baphomet, I guess, because it's like the brazen bull, right? But it's the symbol on the on the the um, on the movie poster. Yeah. That, so, that that's that's it right there. But yeah, like it, the way his fingers are positioned in the exact same yeah. hand, or I guess. It's this hand it, it, when he's having these nightmares he's in that position yes oh really i didn't notice yeah that. okay so yeah it, there there's that's kind of a thing baphomet does in in when you see him picture or whatever um 
and uh, but then then they don't talk about Baphomet. They talk about Astaroth, like that being the sigil for Astaroth, uh, sigil for Astaroth from the uh, Key of a Lesser Solomon. Uh, I, I don't know what that is. Well, they, they talked about that at the end of the movie. You know, at the very end, mm. it's that symbol that keeps appearing in the in the uh, it oh up oh there. the pentagram thing. Yeah, it's so like oh, it's a way to apparently summon Astaroth through uh, there's a book which I own called the uh, Lesser Key of Solomon mm-hmm. and it's uh, about like summoning demons and things like that interesting and uh, that's the symbol you use to summon him uh, Astaroth um, but then they also call the demon that like the demon and I don't think he's ever referred to by name but like the demon whose face appears there and, and uh, which I thought was a great scene too there's this like face you see that looks like it's um stationary yeah and then he blinks yeah you know, it went on a little too long the probably horns, about five, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, was, it was almost like a faded fog thing yeah. where you got to see him I thought that was a really good scene and creepy uh-huh. it was very creepy imagery uh, but that demon was named Amon who is a totally different demon than Astaroth or Baphomet and I don't know he might be a uh, minion of Astaroth I'm not really sure but I, I didn't quite get the demonology here it seemed like they were trying to do uh, demonology and use the like the Lesser Key of Solomon and some other reference demonology references in here but well, uh, yeah, and they did they said the different levels that you go to you summon something else and right. it's like like level five was a Cerberus or whatever it's called yeah, the Cer- three-headed dog yeah so Cerberus is a uh, from Greek mythology actually <laughs> um and uh, you know they they did some okay things with that idea. I thought I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but uh, where was I going with this again? Uh, and I oh I did really like the uh, depiction of hell in this, like the levels of hell that mm-hmm. they had and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Uh, and like the names of the levels. Uh, yeah, it would flip the page of the of the book that the sister created, and it would you know you'd hear some demonic voicing whatever it's called <laughs> right so um I, I really liked that like how hell was depicted in this it's exactly like earth mm-hmm. only awful well more awful than earth <laughs> so, <laughs> and as they dig deeper there's like worse and worse things yeah like i really thought it was cool like yeah, the 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 build it was almost like a slow burn of going to hell i mean pardon the pun but it, it i was, mean it was yeah. just like things got darker and darker and 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 orally mentioned that the farther we go the darker the forest gets and it it held it, it was consistent with that throughout the movie that it got darker it felt a little darker it wasn't like so dramatic to where you're like oh my gosh you can't see anything mm-hmm. but it got darker right. and, and worse things started happening you know and you know that's really interesting like i thought the beginning was kind of boring and maybe that's what the first level of hell is. It's just boring. Yeah, it's just like, okay, well, <laughs> so. the excitement of maybe this happening. And, the, you know, this this kid obviously loved Maxine the dog yeah. and wanted to get her back. I mean, it t- yeah, like I, and I this, said, it, it took me a little while to get in this. I wasn't really, like, enthused about watching it for another hour after the Antrim part had played about 10 minutes. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think we're at about, a, it's an hour and 34. And the documentary piece takes uh, nine. Remember, yeah, yeah is it seven 10 minutes, minutes or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I looked at it after about 20 minutes. And so, yeah, maybe the Antrim piece is, uh, starts at about 10 minutes into it. I think so. 
And I was like, oh my God, this is another hour and 10 minutes yet. You know? See, I didn't feel that way. <laughs> I mean, I thought, it, I thought it was interesting. I mean, it, it caught my ear in my eye of being called the deadliest film ever. And I'm just <laughs> like, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's see what this is all about. And I was interested because I like the way they set up, you know, hey, this, uh, this, this theater in Budapest just burned down, but it came from like one of the seats. And mm-hmm. talking about, um, you know, like, like you had mentioned before, one of the critics was getting ready to write a bad review and suffered a stroke. Yeah. And some guy got stung by a stonefish and then San Francisco they they were fed they were fed LSD by a guy with popcorn and there was two people died or whatever yeah I I I wasn't really uh, too enthused and I think maybe that's why I was a little like I was a little um, put off on the movie after uh, during the first 10 minutes because I was I had such a I don't know. I, I, I reacted pretty negatively to the um, to the documentary part of it. I can understand why. I mean, it, to me, it's just it's fluff. Yeah, I, mean, I was kind of rolling my eyes. During yeah, that it's part. basically it's setting you up for this movie. Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. but the, the one thing I kind of loved about it is when you got into the movie, is the music that that the the angelic oh mm-hmm. you know it was, was just great. it was very eerie so it kind of grated on my ears but in a good way it was just like ooh man this is like that's ugh. the binaural beats I think yeah exactly yeah. right so so it kind of yeah. kept with that and the consistency of the look of it the aesthetic in its entirety of of feeling like a late seventies movie really cheap no budget and it felt the mood was set for me. Because what the documentary did, as, as fluffy as it was, it, it set up a mood for me that, that just kept me in the movie th- the entire time. Okay. And I kind of like the character build. I, it was so bizarre at that beginning part where the mob disappeared. Yeah, you know, I agree. And, I, and I think there, that what was she said to her son. Weird, and it, that was weird too. It, yeah, and it's just like it was bizarre and yeah. jarring. You're like, why would you tell your son that? Yeah, I guess I had the opposite effect from the do- documentary. Kind of turned me off to the movie. Sure. Then we had this uh, dog euthanasia, which was, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, uh, I'm not supposed uh, to cry. I should really look at dogdie.com before I choose these movies. But uh, but yeah, uh, so it took me like it had the opposite effect. I had to get into it once it started because I think I was turned off by the documentary. I thought it was really contrived and silly and like I totally understand why. I, I get that. Made me uh, roll my eyes quite a bit. Um, this did. You're right. I mean, this had really great 5.1 surround sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it, uh, it did, that did kind of take me out of the idea that this was dug up out of some collection from the 70s, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I feel maybe it would have been cool to have like just projector noise coming out of the 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 surround speakers Mm. but like the voices and everything came out back there and they did a pretty good job with like misdirection on on that which can be very scary you know and it kind of adds to the uh, mood of the movie um and uh it 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 it, the sound in the movie is great i mean it really is good sound so Again, that kind of detracts from the idea that this is a some something you found in from the seventies, but uh, it was a great part of the movie, and I think it it, it made it more effective. It, it, and it felt effective to me because I don't have that surround sound, but it's just the mood and the ambiance of it just felt really tight, really really good to me. I gotta say, um, Nicole Thompson. 
or Tompkins, who plays Orly, really stepped up her acting like halfway through this movie. She seemed I, I, I liked her character of being mm-hmm. this loving sister yeah. that cares deeply about her brother. But the, the point that really kind of turned for me was when they were in the boat and Nathan fell over and drowned and like like her screaming. I, she didn't hold anything back. I mean, I thought it was fantastic because she had thought he drowned and she keeps diving under. Um, I did read that. When he came back up, he was. They reversed what he was saying, mm-hmm. and he said, "I saw people. I saw." But they reversed his his speech, like yeah. in post production, that I saw people. I, 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 the water. I read that too, and and he did say something backwards when he came out. Um, I I did. I think that actually would have been creepier if it, creepier if he'd actually said that. Like I, I got a little chills when I read that. Yeah, but uh, I, it didn't really do anything for me when it, in the backwards. Uh, you know, when he spoke it backwards. Well, yeah, um, you didn't know what he was saying because yeah. it seemed like gibberish. Right. That was a really good scene. Uh-huh. I, I liked when the, she dunked under the water and they're saying the Lord's Prayer there. Uh-huh. I thought that gave it a really creepy vibe. Night. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know. And and uh, it wasn't. I mean, it's this kind of religious stuff isn't all that frightening to me. But I think a lot of people are like it really freaks them out. And this was a well done, very creepy scene. And, and that's not the only part because you brought that up as far as them doing the Lord's Prayer is when they first get to the to the gate to hell mm-hmm. is this shot of where she holds up this book that she created and right. In the sun's way, like the sun, mm-hmm. um, and blocking where it becomes a shadow yeah. right on Nathan, and Nathan's looking up just like baffled, and then it fades, like everything goes like black around, but you can barely see the outlines of the trees, and then it comes back to normal, where it would just be like, you know, she's just trying to block the sun. That to me, I, there were so many great shots like that. There, there were a lot of really good shots like that. I, I, I liked uh, a lot of the imagery in this. This, this was pretty good, you know. As far that was as beautiful. Far as I mean, to me, it was just, yeah. it was gorgeous. I was, just, and, and it wasn't, it didn't like take it to the like way artsy level either. It was, it was no. just kind of, it was some creepy imagery that was well done, and it wasn't trying to be, uh, it wasn't uh, fart sniffy. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for lack of a better term, yeah. uh, I don't know what I'm trying to trying to the word I'm trying to think. Pretentious. Pretentious. It wasn't pretentious, exactly. you know. Yeah. Well, but it was. There, but there, it was. It, it really did have some style to it that I like. And those little those little pops that you saw in like individual frames, you know, of like a, apparently somebody stuck those on mm-hmm. in pr- post production and just like were messing with people. There was a scene that I noticed, and I've seen it three times because I just watched it out of the blue. I said we got to review this movie. I watched it again and then watched it again to take notes. But there's a point in time where they're digging in the hole and Nathan draws a cross, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think I they're at the that. second level. Mm-hmm. But there's a shot after, you know, shortly after that, the cross is upside down. Oh, really? And then yeah. the shot comes back and the cross is, like, the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I it's that lore of, of, you know, a satanic ritual mm-hmm. of, you know, upside down cross. Right. And I was like, whoa, those cute little things that they put in there to make it, like, that much more effective. I thought, man, I was like, Yes, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know about the wisdom of camping in front of the entrance to hell, but that was, uh, that was you know, they pitched their tent there. <laughs> and then they said this prayer. Mm-hmm. I, I really love this prayer that they said, you know, uh, one by one, we pray to thee, protect us from all we'll see, from all we'll hear and touch and smell, from all the unknown dark in hell. Yeah. I And she, so when they first say that prayer, they say it like a couple of times and she starts shouting it. Yeah. And she kind of, her voice turns kind of demonic. I thought that was a really creepy, great scene. At the very end of it? I really liked it, yeah. Yeah. I liked that part of it. Yeah. Um, And I I liked the whole motif of this prayer through it, and I liked kind of what it said, you know, protect us from, (laughs) we're going to see some some bad stuff here, you know? So (laughs) I I really, really dug that, uh, that prayer when they were saying it and how that how it was used in this i like the way it keeps going back to the book because um you know nathan has another one of his nightmares and he's you know back in that position with the two fingers up mm-hmm. um and then the the book is floating through of demons coming out of this mm-hmm. and then putting on human skin which look exactly like our two individuals are speaking hungarian or russian or whatever oh, they're right. speaking and that one guy is like um banging away on a dead deer <laughs> yeah yeah, let's talk about these creepers who live in this group of sheds, and they have—they're the ones the two who, dudes, though. yeah, they're the ones who own the brazen Baphomet. Um, I like these two. I I, I like the scenes that they were in uh, mm-hmm. a lot. That underwear guy, uh, of course, he wears tidy whities You'd wear tidy whities in hell. Uh, it reminded me a little like you ever see the mo- the show True Detective? No. So there's this like a bad guy in there, like the I can't remember. They call him the monster or something like that. Uh, reminds me of that, and uh, I, I, he, he, these guys uh, actually shoot both the kids, right? Shoot! They well, shot they, him, didn't they? They shot Nathan yeah, with, a, shot with a dart, but you thought they killed him. And yeah, but since they're in hell, they survive. So, oh. <laughs> right? Is that what happened there? Like, I thought they shot both of them because they went down, and then they wake up in these cages or whatever. Um, oh yeah, they they did shoot her with a dart, but like like there was a dart. Drag. I thought they shot her with like the no. same rifle they shot the deer with. It, it, it was a dart. It was a dart because oh. like like um, Orly wakes up and sees the dart still in Nathan's arm. Oh okay, I, I didn't catch that part. I thought they had gotten shot, and because it was hell, they they just survived because you can't die in hell. You just you know get captured by these psychos um so yeah they're gonna put the kid in this you know it's basically an oven that's in the shape of this demon well they caught the japanese guy before that and oh, you know they, he yeah, was yeah, that's yeah. when that's, that they, was who was in there okay. yeah that's who they uh-huh. who, like when they first encountered that that's who uh was getting cooked in there and you hear him screaming yeah, that was that's jarring right. too I yeah was like, that, that was um so they're gonna put the this kid in i forget what the kid's name is nathan uh, nathan that's right um and then they go to take this girl's jacket off, and that was super effective, very uncomfortable scene where he's trying to pull her jacket off. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very creepy, and probably one of the most memorable uh, parts of the movie for me was when he's trying, when he's pulling her jacket off while she's in this cage, and she's kind of you know, struggling to try to keep it on, you know? Right. Um, and uh, then I, I, I think she gets out of there and uh, picks up this gun, which caused one of the only only jump scares in this movie <laughs> that was a good jump scare it was it was a really well, well it, it's uh she has her finger on the trigger which um very poor trigger discipline but uh it's actually when she drops the gun that that it goes off right mm-hmm. it does yeah. and, and that was a really pretty good jump scare mm-hmm. like yeah, i jumped a little bit for that one um so yeah i i, I mean um Th- those guys, I thought 
this was this is what I really wanted to see more of in this movie was like these guys and what they're doing down there and you know I think they could have developed that part of the movie a little bit better and I think I think it would have been would have been a little better. There was a little bit of explanation for me when when the, one of the nightmares Nathan was having or the, his final nightmare when the the book was flipping by itself or being blown by the wind that they were demons that had taken over human skin and you know they were due there to do the devil's bidding Mm -hmm. you know um you know because every like it sets up to where if you put something out here you're going to keep whatever's in there in there and not let them out you know things that you that you care about Mm -hmm. um and we find out that (laughs) Some of that is complete BS because Orly made this book up. Yeah. But it was true. Yeah. So, yeah, I I did think that the book uh, looked like, you know, uh, something some some kind of thing you'd find in uh, some troubled teenagers uh, uh, room or in their locker at school. You know, I yep. expect to see a drawing of the Slayer logo in there. Um, well, you did, but, actually. I think. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it turns out, so I was I was like, what, what's up with this book? Because, you know, I, usually these, uh, like, have you seen, like, the Ninth uh, Gate or whatever? Johnny. Uh, Johnny oh, it's Depp. been a long time since yeah, I've seen Yeah, you know, they had a lot, of, a lot of creepy books in there and stuff. They, there's a look they have, you know, and I was like, this is not have the look it looks like some kid drew this you know, yeah. it turns out a kid did draw it <laughs> so, but yeah it turned out to be true and i like that when, when i figured that out when i when i saw her admit to that then then i was like oh well that was actually really cool it was clever i mean mm-hmm. and basically because you know she's doing everything she can to help out because she had such a great arc in the movie to do everything she can to get her little brother away from grief you right. know and help out as much as she could um, that's why I love. That's why I loved her character. I She's mean, basically or- going to go through hell with him. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, she she made she brings up something like when they're when they get to the second level and they're looking for Maxine and they're calling for her just out in the open field, and she says something. He's like, "You are the bravest kid I've ever known in my life." Mm-hmm. You know, and this kid's yeah. just. He's about getting his dog back. Yeah. So. yeah. And he finds this dog in a trap and lets it go. So I don't know if that's like the spirit of the dog or, or what, but it seems like it's the end, but it's not. It's not. No. Because <laughs> it ends ambiguous because uh, yeah. cause Nathan actually gets put into that Baphomet thing. Right. And, you know, he, he has smoke inhalation. He's covered in soot and yeah, stuff like that. He lets his dog go, which is adorable husky, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got the trap. So Orly, he's like sitting in the tent going, oh, wait, maybe this is real because Nathan's like, no, this happened. And this guy told me that you were going to try to trick me with Maxine's collar, Mm -hmm. which happened Mm -hmm. because she tried to hide it as they were walking, trying to look for something for Maxine. Yeah, Yeah. Um, that's right. And then she's sitting in the (laughs) sitting in the tent with the gun pointed. And then you hear the chains. But it's actually Nathan just walking up to the to the tent and then cut to black. So very ambiguous ending. Yeah, it was. Um, and then we have this whole part that explains to us all the de- devices they used to manipulate us in the movie. Which... Yeah, there was there was film that was stuck on top of it yeah. that would show you know just a glimpse of these. And I just don't know that I I kind of ro- rolled my eyes at this scene too. It's like why tell us all this stuff? You know, um, I agree that that last part didn't do anything for no, me. No, it all. didn't do anything for me at all. And I, I guess it was supposed to be 
that was supposed to be scary I think like it was supposed to say oh we found all these creepy things in this film that you've just been manipulated with and it, it more or less took it like it, it, it's where it's one of these things where it's explained to you it's not scary anymore well that's it though I <laughs> think know? that's what they were I think that's the point of it is like okay what you just watched was completely fake yeah it was just some cheap movie that was made and yeah. oh by the way you see them peeling off these extra pieces of film that would have that that blurb of the of the uh, so the, well that's pentagram the pentagram and that's stuff the, yeah that's the thing like uh, like I said I had a bit of a headache after this I'm like oh wow it's probably just those binaural beats that they use the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, otherwise I might have been like, oh, is this going to like uh, rupture into an aneurysm or something? I'm going to die. You know? <laughs> That's so. And then they said, no, we're just messing with you. No, they basically, we, we did they, stuff to manipulate They pulled back something. the curtain and said, okay, this so is what That was it the is. thing. Like it gave, it gave me excuses not to be scared. Right. I was like, oh, well, they did this with the with the movie. So it really, you know, I, I don't know. I, I didn't like that part at all. No. I thought I, it could have been totally left out. And I, I just didn't like much of the documentary part of this at all. There's a lot, a lot to like. A lot else to like, though. Yeah, cut out an extra five minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, did we miss anything? I don't think so. No. Man, we were uh, flying through this one. Okay, so uh, Antrim, the deadliest film ever made. What are you going to rate this, Andy? So, like I said, I, I the, the whole documentary aspect of this can go away. Um, there was some very creepy imagery in it. Um, even for jaded horror veterans like ourselves, I, I think there was some, some scary stuff that uh, uh, was disturbing. Genuinely disturbing, genuinely, genuinely creepy in this film. Um and uh, I, I think that some of the other gimmicks, like this whole thing fla- flashing up with uh, Adam and Eve or whatever this was, I, I didn't really get what they were trying to say there. Uh, I'm not sure. I, maybe this is a movie that will get better the more you watch it. You know, I'm wondering if I watch this again, if I would like it better. I think he would. I mean, like for me, there was just a, a couple of those things where it was like the, he drew the cross into mm-hmm. the hole. It was upside down, but then right where right. it was supposed to be. Which is cool, and I didn't notice that. Yeah, I mean, those, those little things, that, those little details that they put into this right. movie actually got me more enjoyment out of it. Right, so I think if I watch it, it might be one of these movies where the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it, and eventually it's like just a, a classic that I love. But, sure. um, but on the initial watch, um, there was a lot that I, like if I if I watched it again, I wouldn't, I'd just fast forward through the documentary part, and maybe it would be a totally different mood for me too. Sure. Um, but definitely they put some effort into the mood, atmosphere, and um, imagery in this movie. And I got to give them some credit for it because it, it, some of it was very effective. Definitely evoked the feeling of a indie 70s movie, something like Easy Rider. Almost, yeah. You know, yeah. not the, you know, if you watched Easy Rider like uh, in the 90s before it had gotten all cleaned up and stuff, you know, yeah. uh, it had that same kind of feel and the lighting and things like that were, were very... Uh, very convincing that it was the 70s. I mean, there's just something that seems like it... it whenever they try to do the 70s, it, it, there's always something that kind of gives it away, and I can't put my finger on it necessarily. Maybe it's because it's digital that's a, you know has a filter and a grain on it or something like that rather than actual film. But um, And, you know, the clothes and, and things like that aren't, aren't exactly, uh, you know, looking like the 70s. But, but it um, felt nostalgic, But though. it did. It definitely did a good, as good a job as a, a lower-budget movie can do in, in a... In, 
evoking the 70s you know sure. uh, so I liked that aspect of it I thought it did a really good job this is a good movie mm-hmm. I would I would recommend it people give it a watch mm-hmm. um, and I'd probably give it actually I'd I was thinking two and a half, but I'll probably give it three stars. Cool. Yeah, I, I was taken out of it at that last, the last documentary part of it at the end of the movie. Um, yeah, I've seen it three times, like I said. I the, the, the documentary at the beginning didn't take me out of it, actually got me a little more interested. It was eye-rolling for sure. I mean, it's just like, yeah, really, mm-hmm. really. Right. And this, I just like the stories. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I might die watching this movie. But it mm-hmm. got me intrigued. I'm like, I know, I know this is a movie. This is fake. This is blah, 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 blah. But when I started watching, I was just like, wow. I mean, from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. You know, the the lettering and everything like that, because it was supposed to be, like you said, Hungarian Mm -hmm. and the way it all set up. And it just, you know, the the music to it and just kind of engrossed you and the imagery of it and the aesthetic of it really got me through the whole movie. And I was never bored. I was just like, I I was hanging on to every word. I was watching every little thing, you know, from God, as heartbreaking as it was when when Maxine got euthanized to, you know, the very end of of Orly holding a gun, her brother's walking outside and you don't know what happens. It cuts to black. Mm -hmm. It's all that stuff in between was so good. Got me really good. And it hit me just right. Um, This is a good movie. I would recommend it. Um, I'm not going to... There are problems with it. So I'm going to say a three and a half. 3.5. Yeah, that's fair. I I did really like the concept of like digging through the levels of hell like that. I thought that was a really cool concept. Yeah. And and I loved their depiction of hell. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really, really cool. It's not like the... Onyx uh, black brimstone and uh, fire and stuff like that. It was it was like Earth. Yeah. Well, and, and that's and that's you know one thing Orly said is that it gets darker mm-hmm. as and it the, did. the farther down. I noticed it that got too. Darker. It did. It, there was uh, like a filter or something they put on the and, and the it was not as well lit in the at the end. So. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, I I would really be interested to take another look at it, and I bet I would like it more. I'd be interested to, to see what you thought about it yeah. after like maybe your second or third watch, whatever. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so yeah, high recommend from both of us uh, coming up next week. Like we said, we're hoping to uh, catch up with Adam Krauss, uh, director of Gags the Clown, of course, a Wisconsinite. So hope to chat with him. We're going to wrap up the month with Anything for Jackson. And Andy made an interesting recommendation. I've never heard anything about this. Would you recommend I do not read anything into, I'm thinking about ending things on Netflix? Yeah. Just going blind? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I I will not look anything into it, but I'm actually (laughs) looking forward to that. I should do the same thing with anything for Jackson, although I kind of ruined some of it (laughs) because it was one of my picks. All right, everybody. uh, Thank you so much for listening to episode number 93 of the Horrorphoria podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. You can get us wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, um, anywhere on the World Wide Web. Make sure you uh, go follow us on all of our social media. Media. Hey, everybody have a good weekend, and we will talk to you next week.